0: Section number 18 of Hinduism and Buddhism in Historical Sketch, Volume 1 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Shashank Jachmula Hinduism and Buddhism in Historical Sketch, Volume 1 by Charles Eliot Morality and Will it is dangerous to make sweeping statements about the huge mass of Indian literature, but I think that most Buddhist and Brahmanic systems assume that morality is merely a means of obtaining happiness and is not obedience to a categorical imperative or to the will of God. Footnote 67. Though European religions emphasize man's duty to God, they do not exclude the pursuit of happiness. Example, Westminster shorter catechism, 1647. Question 1. What is the chief end of man? Answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. End footnote. Morality is by inference raised to the status of a cosmic law because evil deeds will infallibly bring evil consequences to the doer in this life or another, but it is not commonly spoken of as such a law. The usual point of view is that man desires happiness and for this morality is a necessary though insufficient preparation, but there may be higher states which cannot be expressed in terms of happiness. The will receives more attention in European philosophy than in Indian, whether Buddhist or Brahmanic, which both regard it not as a separate kind of activity but as a form of thought. As such, it is not neglected in Buddhist psychology. Will, desire, and struggle, are recognized as good, provided their object is good, a point overlooked by those who accuse Buddhism of preaching inaction. Footnote 68. Mrs. Rhys Davids has brought out the importance of the will for Buddhist ethics in several works. See J.R.A.S. 1898 page 47 and Buddhism pages 221 F.F. See also Major Nick 19 for a good example of Buddhist views as to the necessity and method of cultivating the will. End footnote. Schopenhauer's doctrine that will is the essential fact in the universe and in life may appear to have analogies to Indian thought. It would be easy, for instance, to quote passages from the pitakas showing that tanha, thirst, craving or desire is the force which makes and remakes the world but such statements must be taken as generalizations respecting the world as it is rather than an implying theory of its origin, for though tanha is a link in the chain of causation, it is not regarded as an ultimate principle more than any other link, but is made to depend on feeling. The Maya of the Vedanta is not so much the affirmation of the will to live as the illusion that we have a real existence apart from Brahman, and the same may be said of Ahankar in the Sankhya philosophy. It is the principle of egoism and individuality, but its essence is not so much self-assertion as the mistaken idea that this is mine, that I am happy or unhappy. There is a question much debated in European philosophy, but little argued in India, namely the freedom of the will. The active European feeling, the obligation and the difficulties of morality is perplexed by the doubt whether he really has the power to act as he wishes this problem has not much troubled the hindus and rightly as i think for if the human will is not free what does freedom mean what example of freedom can be quoted with which to contrast the supposed non-freedom of the will if in fact it is from the will that our notion of freedom is derived is it not unreasonable to say that the will is not free absolute freedom in the sense of something regulated by no laws is unthinkable When a thing is conditioned by external causes, it is dependent. When it is conditioned by internal causes, which are part of its own nature, it is free. No other freedom is known. An Indian would say that a man's nature is limited by karma. Some minds are incapable of the higher forms of virtue and wisdom, just as some bodies are incapable of athletic feats. But within the limits of its own nature, a human being is free. Indian theology is not much hampered by the mad doctrine that God has predestined some soul to damnation, nor by the idea of fate, except insofar as karma is faith. It is fate in the sense that karma inherited from a previous birth is a store of rewards and punishments which must be enjoyed or endured. But it differs from fate because we are all the time making our own karma and determining the character of our next birth the older upanishads hint at a doctrine analogous to that of kant namely that man is bound and conditioned in so far as he is a part of the world of phenomena but free in so far as the self within him is identical with the divine self which is the creator of all bonds and conditions thus the koshitaki upanishad says he it is who causes the man whom he will lead upwards from these worlds to do good works and he it is who causes the man whom he will lead downwards to do evil works he is the guardian of the world he is the ruler of the world he is the lord of the world and he is myself here the last words destroy the apparent determinism of the first part of the sentence and similarly chandogya upanishad says they who depart hence without having known the self and those true desires, for them there is no freedom in all worlds. But they who depart hence after knowing the self and those true desires, for them there is freedom in all worlds. Footnote 70 The words are Kamakara and Akamakara. Chandogya Upanishad to 6 End footnote Early Buddhist literature asserts uncompromisingly that every state of consciousness has a cause and in one of his earliest discourses the Buddha argues that the skandhas, including mental states, cannot be the self because we have not free will to make them exactly what we choose. Footnote 71 Mahavag 1.6 Example Ajat Sattu would have obtained the eye of the truth had he not been a parricide. The consequent distortion of mind made higher states impossible. End footnote. But throughout his ethical teaching it is, I think, assumed that, subject to the law of karma, conscious action is equivalent to spontaneous action. Good mental states can be made to grow and bad mental states to decrease until the stage is reached when the saint knows that he is free it may perhaps be thought that the early buddhists did not realize the consequences of applying their doctrine of causation to psychology and hence never faced the possibility of determinism but determinism fatalism and the uselessness of effort formed part of the paradoxical teaching of Makali Gosla, reported in the Pitaks, and therefore well known if neither the jains nor buddhists allowed themselves to be embarrassed by such denials of free will the inference is that in some matters at least the hindus had strong common-sense and declined to accept any view which takes away from man the responsibility and lordship of his own soul End of section eighteen